Hello and welcome to Adult Learning Lounge. I'm your host Arpita Mishra and joining me today is Kay Green. Kay is a strategic learning and development executive with over 20 years of experience building training from the ground up. Kay is the owner of Learning to Do and is in the business of providing consultative instruction design and development services to governments, NGOs, and corporations around the globe. Welcome, Kay. And it's truly an honor and pleasure to have you. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing great. And you are, Peter. <laughs> Oh, I'm doing great too. Thank you. Uh, I'm first of all, I'm so excited for the topic we are going to be discussing today, and uh, I'm going to tell you a little story that I think will be a nice uh, segue to this topic that we are going to discuss. Um, I was once listening to a podcast where Naval Ravikant, who is the co-founder of Angel List, if you I don't know if you know him. He, um, he was the speaker and he said something like, if you want to do something, but you are not just getting to do it, one of the ways you can start by doing that is just announce to the world. For an example, if you want to be a writer, you're not writing, just announce at work and just announce at home that I'm now a writer and I'm writing. And <laughs> I honestly did not understand the psychology behind um what he was saying, but I followed that to do something. And um, what I did that, uh, if you know me, I grew up as a meat eater. I loved my meat and I couldn't imagine any meal without meat. But in 2019, I had some health issues and I had to kind of abstain from having meat and turn a vegetarian, but it was really hard. And following that podcast, I thought, oh, that's interesting. Let me give it a try. I told every single person in my life at work, at home, that I am a vegetarian now. Actually, that change was magical for me uh, because almost overnight, the grocery list changed. The friends started to cook veg meals. In office, people were like, oh, you are a vegetarian, so you would like to order something veg, right? So, and cut to last week, while I was researching for this episode, I came across a research paper about an experiment that proves that the key to behavior change is identity changed. And that research paper described how a group of people change their identity by switching from saying, I can't to I don't. And just with this change, more than half in the group were able to bring the change in their behavior. And I think I experienced this result myself because that's essentially what I did by I stopped telling myself I can't eat meat and announced and I just said to everybody, I don't eat meat. <laughs> and I would stop there and I would put you on the hot seat now and I will request you to share your insights. Um, first of all, what is identity in general? Just to, you know, set the record for everyone who is listening. And according to you, what relation does it have with behavior change? That was an amazing oh. intro. The story that is it. You captured it exactly. So, um, first of all, when we're talking about identity, we're an identity is a very complex thing for us as humans. We are talking about anything that we end the sentence "I am" with. So, in your in your example, you know, you began as "I am a meat eater" and now "I am a, a vegetarian." It can 
it incorporates, you know, rules that we have, you know, for myself, I am a mother, I am a business owner, I am a gardener, all of these things. Um, it can incorporate traits that we have. I am a morning person, I'm a night owl. And, um, and I think, you know, when we're looking at identity and learning, particularly with adults, you know, adults come in and they have this identity. They already are someone. And that's, you know, one of the main distinctions between um, pedagogy and andragogy is we recognize that about adults. Adults have all of these things that they know about themselves, that these experiences that they've developed. And we have to work with that. We have to consider that. And identity is there. And, and a lot of times we don't think about the identity that people have. And, um, you know, a lot of the research that's coming out now about habit forming is is um, is coming from that same place as as the article that that you talked about. You know, that identity is core. Many years ago, I I was a smoker, and the way that I finally quit, and it's a way that a lot of people have quit, is Alan Carr's easy way, and that is and it is this exact premise that he uses. It's like, no, I'm not quitting smoking. I am a non-smoker. And so your whole mindset changes, you know, when you're saying I am. And I don't pretend to understand it, but as human beings, you know, we fight for our identity. We fight, you know, to make that true. So it's, it's really powerful. And, you know, true to the book's name, it was easy. Once that identity change was made, it wasn't, you know, fighting a behavior, you know, became naturally doing things that are aligned, you know, with that identity. That is so interesting. Okay, but I would like to pause and uh, probably like some of the listeners uh, are wondering about identity. Some of them might be wondering something else that I am also wondering right now do you think that people confuse identity with brand and especially because mm. brand is a new buzzword now in uh, organizational development people we keep hearing build your brand how do we make it uh, easy for the listeners to understand the difference between identity and brand or like what's your take on brand you know that's that's a really good good question and i would say you know identity is how we see ourselves Brand is how we want the world to see something. And there may be overlap, but not necessarily. I, you know, I, brand is a, you know, personal brand. That's a bit foreign to me. Mm -hmm. So, um, so it's harder for me to speak to, but like, you know, when we're dealing with a corporate brand, you know, there are. There are these things that we want to be recognized for. And I suppose that could True. could apply to, to a human being as well. But um they are they are very different things. I'd say identity is intrinsic and brand is is more extrinsic. That's what I was going to say. I think like brand is more like how others look at you, what others think of you that might or might not be true. Like if in the marketing world, the brand creates an image like Coca-Cola has an image, but its connection to the truth 
is like maybe like almost true but may mm-hmm. not be true but when it comes to identity it is more personal like that's mm-hmm. what i believe i am and i that's what i want to portray as uh, my identity so maybe that's a difference for me uh yeah there was one thing i wanted to point out from the story you brought in though like and that was in your office you know and that once you said this about yourself other people fell in line, you know, it's like, oh, yeah. oh you're a vegetarian. Absolutely. So um, I would say, you know, our identity comes first, we put it out there, and then the world falls in line. And I think we need the world to fall in line with yes. our identity. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's, and I know we've all experienced it in some way, shape or form, you know, we have this viewer for ourselves, and somebody else has a different view. And yes. it's really uncomfortable when when they don't, they don't match up and, you know, particularly in learning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think all of us have probably at one point or another had a teacher that they didn't have the same view of us that we had of ourselves. And it's difficult. Oh. It is difficult mm. to learn in that. Um, and, that's um, and that's, that's something we have to be careful for of as designers too. we, you know, in an e-learning, we don't always get to be there in that room. But if we're talking mm-hmm. down to someone or like remedial yeah. things in particular, yeah. Um, yeah. if we're talking to a learner, like, guess what? You're here because you're bad and, you know, you didn't do this or you don't know these things. Do we think behavior is going to change? You know, probably not, because that's not going to connect with their identity. They don't see themselves as the reason why they're in there. So, mm. yeah, uh, this is this, I think this is a perfect time for me for me to ask you uh, about a question in my mind that the purpose of this conversation for me is to how do I connect this psychology of identity identities impact on behavior change and kind of relate that to our world of learning and development mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and instruction design or learning design. Um, if I am a learning designer, I'm dealing a lot with behavior change. My job is to bring about behavior change. What I was thinking, uh, thinking that, let's say for an example, I am doing um, a training because I want my sales force to be customer obsessed. So if I change my language from you can be a customer obsessed rep if you do this in that's option A or option B, you are a customer obsessed rep because you never do this or because you always do this. But at the same time, that's during the training. But I love what you said, like we bring people to training and we kind of hint that you are not good, which is why we are getting trained. So uh, how do we relate this entire psychology of behavior change identity to our workplace setting and training setting? You have answered all of the questions, you know, before you you asked me, which is, which is beautiful. Um, I think it's important that we, we meet people where they're at and we don't assume that we know. Um, And sometimes we can do that through interviews, you know, with, with our, with our intended audience. Um, But what you've said there is exactly it. It is so much more powerful to say you are, you know, that's the equivalent of the I am, you are, you're hitting identity there. 
and you're speaking to who that person is versus speaking to the deficit or the gap. And people will connect with that if that is what they want to connect with, mm. you know, um, and that's where we have to be careful. I'm thinking about a government course that I, I built a number of years ago. Governments is not necessarily a entity that we view as being empathic, of being able to connect with humans. And we built this course really focusing on empathy, that they were empathic, that they could connect, you know, with the with the audience that um, they were struggling with. And they did. And um, I think there is something about empathy, being able to see yourself in that, in the other, that makes, um, makes identity change a bit easier. I, I think like I learned a little bit about your insight on identity, its impact in behavior change. I want to build a relevant example for our listeners, and it's not. Uh, let's not take an example from from what we have experienced. But we, if we have to give a realistic example, build an example so that people can take away from this episode. Uh, let's say I am doing um, a training, or maybe go back to the example that I was using. Like I want my Salesforce to be customer obsessed, and mm-hmm. which is why I have to. I I'm kind of aiming to change their identity how much does it help to let them know that we are we are changing your identity in in relation to how much does it help by not letting them know that that's exactly what we are doing like doing it Mm. subtly like is there a difference I don't know that we ever can change somebody else's identity Mm. it like um without their permission how's that I think that's true. What we can what we can do though is create an idea. We can put an identity out there that is really attractive to someone, and they may adopt it. Um, And it's never going to be their full identity, but you know, um, something that they can adopt. You know, I uh, okay. Sorry to interrupt you, but I read something really interesting today because I was continuing my research for this episode uh, that organizations today go through massive change, right? With acquisitions or mergers, Mm -hmm. some companies absolutely lose their former brand and they're now a new company. If you know now, and this is a public information that Saba is now Cornerstone Saba, it is no more Mm -hmm. Saba. So what is happening in this case that that is a change, a massive change management campaign and some employees hold on to their prior organization identity. It is hard for them to transition to the new identity and that's where I think this concept is so powerful that how how do you then build new identity for people then you have to kind of put this uh, in front of them that this is an identity issue this is Mm. this change management is directly related to going from identity A to identity B now you have to say oh I work for Cornerstone Saba not Saba that's quite a change right yes yeah or like in in case of mergers when mergers happen and so many changes happen that that are actually complete identity shift for the company thereby you know uh, requiring the employees to to identify with something else and that's where the training team comes in 
and ease them into this new transition and with um, with this psychology thing that we know now that you hit on the identity change that will bring about the behavior change and or maybe mm-hmm. make that a huge part of your training building right mm-hmm. what do you think about that that's a really another really good example that you've brought brought in here and um i don't know how often we do it anymore like the um learner analysis upfront we tend to make a lot of assumptions but i think it can be helpful to to do the, like identify who these people are within this organization you know what traits they relate to mm-hmm. um and then you know kind of kind of where we're going with that and it could be done similar to like a gap analysis mm. like what we do with skills i could see it happening that way i've never never done it but mm. given how um and i guess it's kind of hard for me because i don't like i'm not part of an i have my own organization exactly. and i'm you exactly. know so i'm not thinking about this much um but change you know it's constant it is constant at the organizational level and um and change is constant for us as human beings as well we're always True. always evolving I'm also thinking if, if uh, like when it is personal, because I want to stop eating meat because I have now a health issue, it's personal. So changing an identity is for my benefit in a whole different way. So I have, uh, I have motivation and uh, for that change. So I'm changing my identity. But if I will have to do it for my company, for either um, to, you know, for a job related thing or like organization is shifting, then I have no inner motivation. I am externally being asked to change my identity. So in that case, what could be the motivator? So then it will have to be something, something attractive. Like if you now so it like you know maybe like i'll have to as learning designers we'll have to showcase that this identity change is great because of abc reasons like there has to be something that motivate the employees to bring about that identity mm-hmm. change right like well, otherwise how why will they change like it, there's nothing what's in it for me the question comes mm-hmm. right that is something to think about like how do we then make this identity change or the ask for identity change uh, attractive for the learners so that they buy into this idea right yeah that seems like manipulation to me, manipulation though. Though. <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> how else know. though i'm no no you're right you you yeah. might be absolutely right like uh, yeah. it is kind of manipulation but then i'm thinking if i'm an employee and someone is say, asking me to change my identity for whatever reason then i'll have to show them what's in it for them yeah and maybe another way to look at it too is if we aren't seeing behavior change as a result of the training are we are we trying to push towards an identity that our learners aren't comfortable with hmm. is there some issue with that that vision that we're presenting that that just doesn't work for them and maybe True. we need to dig a little deeper True. um because, you know, we make these assumptions about what's in it for somebody else. And how often do we know? How often are we actually doing that research to find out? And um, it's always, you know, it's always hit me as off 
that, well, we have to give them the what's in it for me, you know, True. Um, that has always occurred as flat out manipulation. Mm-hmm. And, but if we come from it, you are this person, like if we present this view of the person that is appealing, that motivation is going to come from the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, if we explain how we see them and it's attractive, they're just going to act accordingly. I think you bring, like, you brought such a good point, like that manipulation thing you said that I, I completely agree. Like, this has to be sensitive. This has to be purposeful, also truthful in a way mm-hmm. where yes. where employees see the bigger picture. They are able to connect mm-hmm. the whole point of this transition or change or the ask of the training. So I, I completely agree with this. Um, okay, so... Now, the main thing, instruction designers, or who are Mm -hmm. also known as the actual designers and developers of of the training or the courses or learning designers, what can they do or how should they think when it comes to the impact of identity? Um, And I'm not uh, I'm not saying uh, how identity impacts others, like a designer identity. How? Uh, what do you think? I think my question is not probably clear, but I'm I'm asking if I'm a learner, learner, des- learning designer, right. then should I be worrying about my own identity or not worrying? Should I keep in mind my own identity when I am designing something? And and I would like to add something else uh, to yeah. this, like if I'm a visual learner. Right. Do you think then it is, uh, I, I have to be mindful to know that, that because I identify so much with visual learning, I'm designing courses that are heavy on visual. Okay. Yeah. I think there's a lot of trap there okay. with too much of our own identities going into mm-hmm. courses. And, you know, I've seen, I've seen it with, um, I would say more junior Yes. Instructional designers starting out in their career. And I totally get it. They want to make a mark for themselves. They they want to be recognized. And so there are things that they attach to. Oh, I do this all the time. I do this. This is what I'm known for. When instructional design is done well, it's invisible. You know, people learn from it and we shouldn't be in it as instructional designers. What's important is the learner. And if, if we're usurping, you know, that uh, with our, with what we, we think should be there, if we're designing for ourselves versus the learner, then I think, I think there's an issue with there. It's, it's a real trap. Mm. And um, even, even if we end up designing for the same audience all the time, we have to watch our biases that we've we've brought in about them, the assumptions that we made. So I think it's important, you know, at the beginning of every, every intervention, every learning intervention to really think about who, who it is that we're designing for and separate ourselves from that. What's in it for the instruction designers to know about the psychology of identity and its impact on behavior change? How does this whole concept matter to instruction designers? Well, there's an easy way to do it and a hard way, just like that smoking reference. Yeah, you know, yeah. You can slog it by, you know, oh, I'm going to develop this habit. I'm going to, you know, practice. Or you can say, this is who I am. 
or you can present it to the learner. This is who you are. And, oh, okay, I got, got and um, then they start thinking, well, if I'm this, then these are the, the actions that I do. It becomes easy. Yeah. There isn't that disconnect between I'm here and there. Um, you move over there really rapidly and your mm -hmm. behaviors fall in line. Identity always has to come first if it's going to be a ongoing, you know, behavior change. True. This is something I, I want to ask you will be interesting to know that this topic is actually your brainchild. When we were discussing about doing the, doing this podcast and we were brainstorming what will be a great topic to talk about. And you suggested about identity and its relationship with behavior change and its impact on instruction design. I want to ask you what made you think of this topic? Like why did this topic hold so much of value to you? Well, you know, it's interesting for the last, you know, few months I've been, I've been doing a number, number of training projects um, where we really are having to make a radical shift in the, the behaviors. Um, we can't, you know, fire them and look for someone new. We have to shift. And, and the only way that I've been able to, to see this happening is through identity. You know, we have this in, in these projects, we have this group of people whose role has been to be rigid rule followers, protectors, um, and that is that is our identity. And we we need them now to to be um, flexible and look, you know, in these rules for the flexibility versus versus that sort of thing. And and I've had to experiment a lot in these. Mm -hmm in designing these with with how how can we make that huge jump like not just a little incremental one a huge jump in the behavior and identity is where we're kind of landed with with the the best way to do that yeah and as you're like speaking about that there in my mind are uh, so many things are going on because it's not only about um, uh, you know, learning design, it is just related to so many things at large. I have um, mm -hmm. been a people manager in my last role. And one of the things that I struggled with when there was someone in my team stuck in that role for 12 years, not doing a lot of things, not open to explore a lot of things. Uh, and there is, there is this comfort zone built, which was hard to break. Like I am only comfortable with this employer. I'm only comfortable with this kind of things. I am not comfortable with, uh, uh, you know, uh, a man as my boss. There were just so many things. And that I'm kind of thinking these things are also related to that, right? Where um, yes. you can motivate someone to change for good and change for their own development and um, bring about a new identity. Like I can do everything. Like I can go and finish that certification and I am now ready to take on the promotion and everything. Yes. <laughs> so how we see ourselves, you know, that identity, who I am, when that shifts, then the behaviors, what I do shifts. 
And um, that results in us having different things, having different boundaries, you know, having different boxes around us. Yeah. So it's really applicable to, to, um, to those of us who are people managers as well. Yes. So. And I'm going to ask you something and this might be irrelevant. And if it is so, just tell me. And <laughs> I'm thinking that in the learning and development domain and not every company operates uh, differently in terms of hierarchy, some companies do not have instructional designers. They, they outsource their design mm-hmm. work and uh, they only have consultants. The consultants work with the stakeholders and they um, kind of, uh, you know, do the gap need analysis and they create the design and then someone else develops it. So is this concept related to learning consultants too? And if yes, how? Or maybe not, I don't know. Well, you know, and it's interesting that you brought that up because I've gone in as a consultant to a lot of organizations and there are benefits to an external person in this scenario because when you are in an organization, you start to develop biases about um, those people that you're designing for. And uh, an external person can come in and they are allowed to ask questions. You know, they aren't expected to know yeah. And um, we can break through some biases that may be um, keeping people stuck in identities. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, going back to what you were asking, Arpita, about, you know, those those internal consultants who are perhaps, you know, outsourcing. I think the best advice I could say is, you know, really look at things with beginner's eyes, you know, don't always assume that, that, you know, everything and um, challenge yourself to ask questions because, you know, things could have changed from even two months ago. If you thought you knew this group, you know, they could have, could have gone things. So those beginner eyes are helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And, uh, because the consultants also do a very work at a very different levels because they talk mm-hmm. to the stakeholders, the project sponsors, right. sometimes executives, and they get the real meat behind why they are looking for this behavior change or why they are looking for this training. And uh, that then gets translated to the designer who actually creates this. And I don't know if this thing is always successful, maybe in some cases, because the designer never gets a chance to actually speak to the stakeholders it's like always gets the secondhand information whatever the consultants you know bring uh bring to them so uh which is why i think it's important for both of them both of these groups to think about this concept is a little bit because now that i know about this if i'm a designer i'll ask more questions Mm-hmm. I'll ask more questions to the consultants that why is this happening? Can I get a seat on the table or yeah. you know, those kind of things to to be more uh, to design something more impactful? It is really challenging when those two roles are divided. Yeah. Uh, you know, the consultant and the instructional designer and um, really, really difficult. I, I've kind of struggled always with why. Mm-hmm. Um those two roles get separated because I, I don't operate that way. Um, True. I do do both of them. And I think, I think it makes, it makes a difference. Um, Cause a lot of things can get lost in translation. Exactly. And that, that was, that was 
uh, that's what I was thinking that a yeah. lot can get lost in translation. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that is true. Well, I don't have any other question. And I was just thinking if we can end on this note that is there such a thing as learner identity? <laughs> Maybe, Ooh. may not be. I don't know. But uh, like as designers go with a mindset of how yeah. to how to handle that identity shift. Mm -hmm. But there might be learners who are who think very differently. They have. Oh, yeah right they it's hard to change their identity because they have a complete different way of looking at things <laughs> you know it's it's interesting that that you brought that up and i and i don't know how how relevant this is but um many many years ago back when i was still in doing my undergrad i was volunteering in um in a classroom and this was so this was probably close to 30 years ago. So technology-based learning was very, very new. It was rudimentary at that point, but I was working with a, a young, a young student and, and she did not see herself as a learner. Learning was difficult for her. And um, it was kind of those, I can't, you know, sort of mentality. And we were, we were sitting together at a computer and, and I couldn't even tell you what she did, but all of a sudden there were these like lights that flashed and, and she'd achieved something and she just looked at me and she's like, I did it. And I recognized in that moment, this individual went from seeing herself as something, someone who couldn't do, couldn't learn as to, you know, someone who could. And I think that happened, you know, that I can't do this, you know, I don't know how that mentality is there, even as a learner, I'm not able to learn, um, is there for a lot more people than we may think. You know, I've been toying with it myself with language learning, you know, mm. over, over yeah. the last few months, like, I have it in my head that learning languages is difficult for me. And I've been trying to trying to shift that saying, no, you know, I'm you know, I'm multilingual. Um, I'm not there yet. There's a part of me that still views that as a lie. But, yeah. um, but I think a lot of, you know, there's a lot more people out there than we than we think that that may struggle with with really being able to view themselves as someone who can do things. And we have to consider that as as learning designers, it may look easy to us, but it may not be the reality for our learners all the time. Yeah. And I think that's a nice way to end this also. Like I, my takeaway from this episode and by talking to you is as learning designers, when we are aiming to bring a shift in behavior change, the how, the answer to the how is probably focus a little bit more on identity and how to bring about a shift in the identity that will automatically bring about the behavior change in most people or bring it easily. It's not an absolute answer, but there are so many other variables, but there's something to keep in mind for all of us that behavior change is not easy and identity change is an integral part to bring about behavior change, right? Uh, so- really good, yeah. Yeah. Really good. And and um, just to add to that, if we aren't seeing the behavior changes, maybe that's the part of the root of it, is that we aren't addressing the identity. 
Fantastic. Yes. Yes, exactly. Like you have done everything, but what, what, uh, what is missing is exactly that, the identity piece. Yeah. With that, we have come to the end of this episode. It was such a pleasure to see you after so many days and to be able to sit and talk to you, Kay. I absolutely admire you and your work. And I hope we can sit together and talk again uh, on another topic. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>